Hey there, everyone. Happy Sunday. It is Super Bowl Sunday today. Before you get your football fix, you're going to get your wrestling fix here with Will and I on After the Week. It is February 12th. And as always, we are here to talk about some pro wrestling, which includes the best and the worst of the week. Uh, Will, before we get into our picks here today, um, first and foremost, how are you doing? I'm doing good. It's been a busy morning. I've been up and around for the last, I don't know, when did I text you? It was probably... I don't know, but it was pretty early. I was still it's, asleep. It's, yeah, yeah, it was really early. So yeah, I've been up and around all morning. And I literally just got home like 10 minutes ago. But <laughs> regardless, I had to do a whole bunch of shopping for Super Bowl planning because we have to make a lot of food and in a very short amount of time. So that's that's my day as well. I know I was going to say, you seem tired today, Will. And I got to tell you, yesterday I was at Universal Studios hanging with two teenagers for about eight to nine hours. I didn't think I was going to make it that much. Usually when I go to theme parks now, I'm at the age where I stick around for maybe four or five hours, top six hours. But this time I surpassed the time that I'm normally at, at theme parks for. And um, But I got to go on all the rides at Universal Studios, which was fun. Well, pretty much every ride. And for a Saturday in LA, that's not something that happens very often. And I, if I remember correctly, you're not a fast pass person, correct? No, they charge like an extra hundred bucks per ticket for that. Uh, Will, that shit is worth it to me. Do you think that I'm made out of money? <laughs> yes, I think you're balling ass Denise. I've seen your net worth on online. Oh, yeah. I think if that was truly my net worth, <laughs> man, I'd be buying you, your whole family, my whole family, everybody here on the chat on um, freaking fast pass tickets. Ah, uh, oh, I, I was thinking you were gonna say like, oh, buying them all like Bentleys or something. You're like, no, nah, at least spend a hundred bucks on fast passes. Uh, hey, it's a hundred dollars. It's like a hundred dollars for the ticket in general, then an extra hundred dollars for the fast pass. Like it, it was worth it to me last time I went, simply because I spent one. I, I did the one Harry Potter line. It was so excruciating that I'm like, I can't do this for the rest of my day, and. I mean, I suppose if what did you guys do? Just like sit around and talk in line for the majority of the time. So we got very lucky. We only there was only two lines that we actually had to wait like a pretty lengthy time. And even then it was like 50 minutes. But we got lucky because it was really cold yesterday. So around like 4 or 5 p.m., all the families that came early, they all went home. So by the time we were done waiting from our second ride, at first I thought, oh, we're just going to get like three rides, right? Like that was what I thought. We ended up doing nine rides because after like that second one, like half the theme park left because it was so cold and you know here in people in LA we can't handle the cold okay I had to go out and buy, buy my sister a blanket and everything uh, just so that we could it was so cold but I was like okay you know the kids haven't been to Universal in a very long time so we're gonna get our money's worth so we did we went on all the little rides we were my my siblings were so bummed out though because they closed Mario World I guess oh. they opened it and then they closed it and they're not going to open it until uh, next weekend. And I had no idea. So it was really sad because you could only see it from far away and it looks super cool. Like you want to enter, but it was under can't. construction when I went last year. And so I might try and pull off a trip during WrestleMania weekend or something. I don't know. Like there's, 
everybody you see the coins they even have little coins i saw that it yeah looks really cool and you know me i'm not like a big like fan i did i actually did work for nintendo one time for like a whole weekend um so yeah i know i've had a bunch of random jobs will but um so i kind of am a little familiar tad very very tad familiar with some of that stuff um very very little but it looked so cool like the colors were so bright and they had the little coin spinning at the top um but yeah unfortunately we didn't get to experience it that's a shame, especially to have spent Universal Studios money. That's yeah. the, the Oh, but don't worry. Thing. They were like, here's the gift shops. Come on in and buy Super Mario stuff. But yeah, you can't go in right now to the actual theme park for that portion of, but you can go into our shops and you can buy all the stuff. All right, but let's get into the show, everybody. Uh, we got a couple of items to get into here today. Um, Will, I got to tell you, um, in terms of my worst for this week, I have three things that I can choose from. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really excited. I almost want to do all three. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie to you. I was like, what if well, I, I just I, do all three? Knowing how you and I tend to think sometimes, mine is probably one of them. Maybe. Yeah, I'm sure I don't is. know. So uh, we'll see. We'll see all right, what we well, do here. But I'm excited. Let's get into it, everybody. Here we go. Uh, Will, let's kick it off with your third best of the week. Third best of the week goes to the opening match from AEW Dynamite this week. It is MJF versus Kanosuke Takeshita. Uh, this, you know, it threw me off, right? Because I'm so used to MJF, like, not wrestling. And then all of a sudden, uh, he does. And uh, so, like, his music opens up Dynamite. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's coming out for, like, a usual MJF-type segment or promo. And then he's in gear, and I'm like, oh, yeah, he's scheduled to wrestle Takeshita tonight. These two killed it. I thought Takeshita had a uh, a main event level performance. And he's been having those already. He had one with Brian Danielson just a few weeks ago at the forum. But this one here in front of uh, a really hot El Paso crowd. I thought that MJF made uh, Takeshita look like a million bucks. He got a very, very clear visual pin in... Uh, with MJF only being able to get his foot on the ropes, but otherwise uh, Takeshita almost had him beat. Um, but this wasn't just about Takeshita proving that he could hang uh, with main event talent. It was also about MJF reminding us that he is main event level talent. And MJF in there in the ring, I thought, uh, you know, it's funny. the For people who, like, don't understand the MJF character... And some of the things he does and says, uh, a lot of it is obviously intended to irk you. And when he does things like criticize Japanese pro wrestling, MJF is is one of the biggest students of the entire wrestling game. And so when you see him doing things like saying, "Oh, I don't follow Japanese wrestling. I don't watch Japanese wrestling. That stuff uh, is for nerds." Come on. Um, and then on top of that, when he's like, oh, I don't have to do flips or anything along those lines, MJF is very much somebody capable of all of the above, but he knows it gets under your skin to criticize those things. But when he gets in a match with a talent like Takeshita and proves that he can do Takeshita-type spots. I mean, the fact that Takeshita hit his uh, the, the signature lariat he does off the, the top rope and MJF lands on his feet through, um, through a clear backflip 
excellent stuff and uh the finish was a little too clean for my liking i would have liked mjf to have maybe cheated a little bit um just because of some of the stuff he's kind of said and done to Takeshita. but otherwise i thought if dynamite didn't have any other matches on this show i still would have been like or any other great matches i still would have said when this was over damn dynamite had uh, one of the best matches that they've had this year. But the funny thing was the show was overtaken very quickly by by two other matches. Um, one I didn't put on my list, but uh, this was great. MJF and uh, Takeshita, excellent stuff. Okay, well, I might as well get into my third best of the week. And my third best is actually going over uh, to the Raw side of things. It's been a while since I've had something from the raw side of things on my best of the week. And I'm going to give this one to the interactions that we saw between Cody Rhodes and Paul Heyman. And the reason I'm going with this is because, well, clearly, you know, we know we're getting into uh, Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Uh, we know that's most likely where we're headed, unless there's a big shock, some big sort of shock um, in terms of like the title or something at Elimination Chamber. But that's where we're headed, right? Um, but the whole thing, the reason why I put this up here is because um, even though a lot we are interested in Cody Rhodes and Roman, we really are, right? The main story has been Cody Rhodes. I mean, sorry, uh, Roman Reigns and uh, Sami Zayn. And personally for me, it did kind of feel like Cody Rhodes was, you know, in the background, in the shadows, in like the second best for me, truly. It kind of felt a little bit second best in terms of the storytelling is just not nowhere near what it what it is with the bloodline right and even with this i'm not saying that it's you know in compares that it compares to the bloodline by any means because we've just gotten so much more with that but i thought that this interaction between cody rhodes and paul Heyman, this whole back and forth that they did here i thought it really added so much more and it kind of leveled up that story between roman reigns and cody rhodes and the best part for me was i loved how you know cody painted this whole story about you know his family struggling this is something that he's talked about numerous times and about his dad and you know giving him work and all of this right but the whole time you knew that Paul Heyman was going to get the best from Cody Rhodes in this moment and you didn't know what direction he was going to go and you didn't know what he was going to say at one point Paul Heyman even goes like he makes it he makes he tries to make it seem like Cody Rhodes really bested him at for a moment and he's like you know I I, I don't know how to you know react to that I forgot what he exactly said but he's kind of had a moment where he was like man you know kind of fooling us just a tad bit but then Paul Heyman kicks it in and you know he starts going into his his portion of the promo and he ends it off with a line that I thought one line one line and this feud went from oh I'm really excited to looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it to oh this shit just got serious because um he said quote in my last conversation with your dad he told me you Cody were his favorite son but Roman Reigns was the son he always wanted and this obviously proceeded when he was talking about how you know, his father has had a hand and, you know, all of the talent and this and that and, you know, Roman Reigns and he names all these people and he's like, Cody, your dad didn't, you know, work with you. He didn't, you know, he didn't do it. Like he didn't do the same things that he did for the other talents with you. And so it was kind of one of those things where I'm like, God damn it. Like Paul Heyman really, really made it personal. And it was really just that one line that to me made this whole thing very like, 
worth it. So it had to be on my top three favorite moments of this week, for sure. Especially because I think it just adds so much to that Roman Reigns-Cody Rhodes match. Might as well bring up my number two. Okay. Uh, Will's number two of the week. It's the Cody Rhodes and Paul Heyman oh, segment. Stop it. I thought <laughs> I thought that this was one of the best segments Raw has had in years. And I actually think this tops the bloodline stuff. And I will tell you why. Oh no way, Will. Yeah, what? No, yes. What? Uh, yes. And I love Wait, the bloodline. The stuff for this particular week, or you mean in general? I am more interested in this now than anything, and I'll tell you why. Um, okay, so, Will, I have to agree. Uh, I have to disagree uh, already. That's, that, hey, that's fine. Continue but, on. But let me tell you. So, Cody Rhodes, again, I love the Bloodline stuff as, as an angle. But at the end of the day, I am a fan of professional wrestling as a competition. And the thing that I have always felt like Cody Rhodes, why I, I've been, you know, when, whenever I hear people saying it should have been Sammy, should have been Sammy, fully disagree. Because Sammy's story has not involved the world title in any way, shape, or form. Cody Rhodes has. And that, I think, trumps anything that goes down in the Bloodline story. You could talk about how it's been made personal between with Jay, with Sammy, all of that. But none of that has been about the universal title. So ultimately, that all takes a step down for Cody's story because Cody's story has consistently been about the universal title. What I loved here, though, I've been a kind of a critic of the fact that Cody's stuff has relied a little too much on Dusty for my liking. I think that uh, I, I said on Grapsity yesterday that I think Cody's story in itself is good enough to tell without ever mentioning Dusty. When you think about Cody coming in, um, feuding with Orton, tagging with Ted DiBiase, joining Legacy, becoming dashing Cody Rhodes, becoming undashing, winning the Intercontinental title, changing the belt, uh, having his match booted from WrestleMania, and uh, becoming Stardust, beating the Shield, leaving the company, all of that stuff is a good enough story on its own to where I felt like Things don't necessarily need to rely too much on Dusty. But I thought this was the best integration of Dusty I've seen in a long time. Start with Paul Heyman here. Paul Heyman interrupting Cody. Cody, first off, genius level work from Cody Rhodes. Cody knew he could... He, everybody hears the buzz online about how Cody shouldn't be in this spot. It should actually be Sami Zayn. What does Cody do? Addresses the elephant in the room, first off, because there's Sami chance happening when he comes out. And turns it around in a way where he can get the fans or keep the fans behind him and not hurt Sammy in any way by simply saying, you know what? I want Sammy Zayn to beat Roman Reigns so that at WrestleMania, it'll be me versus Sammy Zayn. Crowd's like, yeah, we like that. And that's it. Sammy's never mentioned again. So then at that point, we get Paul Heyman's introduction. Paul Heyman nearly coming to tears here with Cody telling him, about, you know, Cody told him he needed to stop him and tell him about how much Paul Heyman's been to his family. Talked about Dusty falling on hard times, baby. But um, falling on hard times and suddenly, you know, Paul Heyman came along, brought him into ECW. Uh, and that helped the family quite a bit. And then uh, turned it around. And Cody even addressed another elephant in the room. Talked about how, hey, I, you know, it's a thing we're not supposed to talk about. But I went and helped kind of kick off a... Uh, a rival promotion and 
you being kind of a person known for that helped me through that. And Paul Heyman, like if anybody, everybody keeps talking about these angles deserving Emmys, all of this stuff. Paul Heyman himself even said he wants Roman Reigns to get one. I disagree. I don't think Roman Reigns, I love Roman Reigns. I don't think he's been the best part of any of this. I think that uh, a lot of it has been Sami Zayn. I think Jay Uso. I think Paul Heyman is the top guy in all of this. Um, and the way he emotes, the way he can make you believe for a moment that what Cody's saying is truly affecting him, great, great, great stuff. And then, as you mentioned, he pulls out that slimy little snake line uh, after everything he talked about, you know, Dusty's kids, Dusty's family, building the Performance Center, building NXT, helping train guys like Roman Reigns, and then ending it where he ended it. And I thought, as good as Paul Heyman's line was, I thought Cody's line was just as good. I thought Cody grabbing his hand and telling him, I was just trying to win a wrestling championship, but everybody keeps trying to make it personal. So now it's personal. And I, I, this sold me a ticket to WrestleMania. This was everything I needed to feel like WrestleMania is a big deal, that Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes has some meaning behind it. I love the fact that Cody has the target in mind of the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship, or I guess I got those words backwards. It's Undisputed WWE Universal Championship. But either way, I love everything about this. I think this was one of the best segments Raw has had in a long time. I don't think they've done a better job in many years of taking a feud that really had nothing behind it and turning it up to 100 in a single segment. But they did it here to the point of where I I need to see Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes finally have that confrontation. What is that going to be like? Like, I've only seen Paul Heyman here. What is the actual confrontation between those two actually going to be like? And we're so close to it. My, this was amazing. This was an A-plus segment. All right, so I completely agree with you on everything that you said about this segment. and But the part where I still disagree, but I understand your perspective because I do think you're right in the sense that because it is because of the Undisputed Universal Championship that it does sort of, you know, uh, trump in terms of importance because at the end of the day, what's the most important thing in the company? It's the main title bout. That's what everybody is supposed to be striving for. That's supposed to be what everybody is working for and working towards. And so I do get you on that end of things. However, right now, because we've only just started the Cody Rhodes-Roman Reigns um, feud, I can't say that this one right now is anywhere near what the Bloodline stuff has been because the bloodline stuff has just been it's been going on for months and you've gotten so many different layers and have really gotten a huge majority of the fan base to be all in on this and you know will that that doesn't always happen where a huge majority of the fan base is legitimately interested in this one storyline and it is one of those things that also one of the things that you mentioned was that you thought paul Heyman was one of the ones that um you feel has been like I don't know, if you were to give an Emmy to someone, it would be Paul Heyman for you. See? Yes. And for me, I completely disagree. It's Sami Zayn. I'm sorry, but without... I, I mean, think... it, it's like second. It, honestly, you could probably right, flip but that's, him, but, but here's the thing, though. This is my point that I'm trying to make. So, you oh. know, with you, you were like Paul Heyman. With me and Sami Zayn, there's going to be somebody out here that's like, nah, it's Jey Uso. Then there's going to be somebody else that's like, nah, it's Roman Reigns. And that, to me, is special. 
when you have a bunch of different people that you're like, this is the person I'd give the Emmy to or whatever award to, uh, to me, that makes things very, very special. And so for that reason, like, I feel like right now, it, like one of the things that I've been saying, and you know, given that we're going to be heading into Elimination Chamber, in fact, the next time we're here on After the Week, we're most likely going to be talking about Elimination Chamber, going into this match with um, going into this match with uh, Roman Reigns and uh, Sami Zayn, I am so excited, and I've said this on a couple of shows already, but I'm more excited about this than I was for the Royal Rumble. I'm more excited about this because even though I have a strong feeling that how things are going to turn out, the point is that there's so much buzz around the story and around these both of these guys and their story together that it feels like a big time thing to actually tune in and watch this show. To me, this feels like an important show to tune in specifically for this match. And that to me says a lot, especially because I'm sure a lot of people weren't probably thinking, you know, before this whole bloodline thing even started that we would get to this point, that we would get to the point where Sam, where we would get to the point where there are a lot of people that would have loved to see Roman Reigns versus Sami Zayn at uh, WrestleMania. So that to me, man, I don't know what to tell you. I, I love it. Yeah, I'm so the, excited for it. I'm, I, I'm, I'm excited for it, but I just think that like, again, there's no piece of me and I know I'm probably alone here. I saw some weird comment in the chat here that said that uh, I'm saying what people want to hear. I'm highly disagreeing with people because uh, are you? We're on different pages. I know here. we're on different pages. I think, uh, if anything, probably my thoughts align more with what the general. I don't even know anymore. I try not to. Here's my thing when it comes to wrestling podcasting. And Will, you can definitely chime in on this too. My number one thing that I hate is when people base their opinions on what the majority of people are saying on social media. If you think something is ass, it's ass for you, man. It's entertainment. You say what you want. If you think something is great, you go out there and say that it's great. It's your opinion. I will do not want to live in a robotic society where I have to have the same control, copy, paste opinions and idea as every single person next to me. And uh, so that's kind of where I'm at on that. Like I like to say, sometimes I don't always like to know what other people think because I want to first, first decipher my opinion and how I feel about it and then ask people how they think because maybe I'm not seeing something a certain way or whatever, you know? Yeah, and and the thing is uh, where I fall not in line with really a lot of people on this story is that I have zero desire to see Sami Zayn win world championships. And okay, I, well, and let none me ask you, if, let's just say, just to play devil's advocate here, let's just say that Sami Zayn were to defeat Roman Reigns at Elimination Chamber, what William, William Washington, what would be your reaction to that? Sitting jaw, in your chair. Jaw on the floor, because uh, at that point, nothing about Sammy's story has guided him to the world title. His story has guided him to Roman, but his story has not guided him to the title. And I think that there's a distinction there that um, I think that's the difference between a great angle and a great wrestling angle. And I think that um, this is a great angle. It's one of my favorite things I've seen on TV. But the desired outcome for me is Roman defeating him. And a big piece of that is that, obviously, you know, we want to see happy endings in pro wrestling. And I think the happy ending to me is still, um, because there has been more of a story of Sammy realigning with Kevin Owens. That's still the ultimate piece of this story. And in that alignment. Yeah, but we've seen that a lot, though. We've seen it a lot. And Not now, and really. 
We've, we've no. seen it come and go. Like we've seen Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn feuding. We've seen them, you know, as friends. We've seen that picture though. We've seen uh, it yes, more but, than, but what than is the one Sami thing... as a universal undisputed champion, whatever. But again, Sami's story hasn't guided him to, toward a world title. He hasn't defeated anybody of note to get to being a world champion. Like there have been levels to this, right? Like, you know, it wasn't when people compare the story to Brian Danielson. Brian Danielson in winning his world titles had basically gone up the line defeating people he had beaten randy orton he had beaten um you know he he gave the shield their first loss uh, and so like brian had been built to the point of where his next logical step was becoming world champion there was a story there to doing that whereas with sammy there's a lot of personal animosity there is this is a grudge match in the best way possible and uh, there's a lot of personal animosity when it comes to uh, what's happened, what's gone down with Roman, what's gone down with the Usos, what could eventually go down with the Usos. But nothing about Sammy's story has been about a quest to become world champion. And I think right. that's well, been the missing piece here. But here's and, the thing, though. He's so angry at the events that unfolded and everything that has gone down, especially all of that culminated at the Royal Rumble to the point where when he did challenge when he did challenge Roman Reigns at Elimination Chamber, part of that was pretty much taking everything away from Roman Reigns. And then on top of that, you have Roman Reigns, like, God, what was it? When he had uh, Sami Zayn, you know, knocked out there in the corner and he's telling him, you know, he's going to embarrass him and do all these things to him. I think at that point, it does become very personal. And on top of that, but you also, hold on, but he did make sure, like, he wants to take that title away from him. So even though it wasn't, the thing like how it's been for Cody since the very beginning there is that implemented now into the storyline sure it's personal though but again so uh here's a good parallel um it's a relatively stupid movie but it's one of my favorites Denise have you ever seen Mortal Kombat God, you really asked me that, Will? Of me course. watching Mortal Kombat? I know, I know, I know. Anyway, and I'm <laughs> specifically referring to the classic 1995 film, Mortal Kombat. The story in that um, movie, the, the main plot, centered around Liu Kang. It, basically, it's the tournament to save the world. Liu Kang is the chosen one who, uh, by winning this tournament, can save earth realm right but Liu kang didn't believe in the tournament he wasn't interested in the tournament until his brother was murdered and he decided to enter this tournament for vengeance and all of the advice he kept getting throughout the entire movie was if you're too focused on vengeance you will not achieve the goal you're making it personal you need to I focus see. on the goal About, on the right yeah, okay. uh, on the goal or you will fail and then, you know, he finally has the moment of realization at the end where he lets it all go, lets all of his anger go and decides to uh, go for the final victory over Shang Tsung. He beats him. Happy ending because he was focused on the goal at hand. I think comparing that here, because I always thought that was a good lesson, right? To like let the personal shit go and focus on the goal at hand. Sami Zayn the title is an afterthought to him. He has said that, right? It's he wants to get to Roman. And the thing he knows that'll get to Roman is winning those titles. But he's not interested in the titles. He's interested in getting at Roman. But that's going to be his downfall because he's not focused on the goal. The person who's focused on the goal is Cody Rhodes. 
he's been focused on it since he arrived in WWE. He literally said the night after WrestleMania uh, last year that he's come back for one reason, one reason only, to become champion. And I think that's going to be the distinction in the stories. And I think that's what separates the stories. And I think that's an underlying point to make Sammy blinded by like that that should always be it it should always be no matter what whatever grudges you have whatever personal animosity there is your focus should always be on the goal and sammy's not focused enough and that's what's going to cost him you know what will it's going to be me and sammy Zayn versus you <laughs> at wrestlemania 39 <laughs> all right hey I'll but be... it's an intriguing story the fact that we're talking about yes, it is, is okay hold on but i also the fact that you're like oh you know more on the cody Rhodes side of things where i'm more on the Sami Zayn side of things i feel like we don't get this very often where we have more than one person that we're legitimately interested in in seeing you know go all the way or whatever the situation is you know um okay so here's the thing will and this is something that i wanted to tell you right now because i was laughing at this because your number three was mjf and Takeshita, and uh, then number two was cody and Heyman. so my <laughs> mine was swapped <laughs> that's why i didn't say anything earlier i know i do i was wondering where it was on your list <laughs> my number two was actually mjf versus kanosuke Takeshita, and uh for me it was one of the <laughs> I'm dying because last week we had the exact same list on everything. And this time it was just swapped. All right. Um, so, I mean, you pretty much ran down uh, a lot of what already occurred in this match, but I do want to just go ahead and add that for me, the big thing about this was we already mentioned like Takeshita to me was somebody that, you know, the fans were already pretty excited about, you know, he was just an instant person that people, you know, were fans of, right. Uh, especially, you know, when we got introduced to him in terms of the AEW audience and for me they have been doing a pretty good job of like having him go out there have these very entertaining matches like there hasn't been one match of his that I didn't you know enjoy or something like that so with that being said to me it's only he's becoming somebody that I want to see more of on a weekly basis like I want to keep seeing him and I've kind of said this a lot but there's sometimes a lot of people that get a lot of hype and I don't always see it. And sometimes I kind of feel, you know, in the minority for a lot of people, like there's a lot of guys that have a lot of fans and this and that, and I don't see it. I don't see it with Takeshita. He's one of those that I don't have a problem seeing it, recognizing it and enjoying it, you know? And so with MJF, I'm pretty much going to go with the exact same thing. MJF is the guy that you, everybody knows he's great on the mic. That's the number one thing. But people always forget that he can actually go in the ring and have these phenomenal matches. Um, one of the things that I brought up on my show where like his match with Darby Ellen is still one of my favorites. Of course, that match that he had, the dog collar match with CM Punk is another one of my favorites. And I feel like this one here was just... Um, this was just more proof that, you know what, MJF can actually go and this and that. And earlier when you brought up the point, and this is so weird to me, because when you brought up the point that there are fans that still don't understand that a lot of what MJF says and does is to get under their skin. I don't know how people don't know that already. That's <laughs> I mean, but, that, but that's intentional. But, but that means it's working, right? Because if it is actually getting under their skin he is accomplishing what he's setting out to do. So right. in that sense, I, I do feel like when I see that happen, I'm like, well, he hit the target. So <laughs> at the end of the day, it's working. But this was a phenomenal match, man. I thought that they did just so well in this, like just so much of the back and forth that we got. People were so into it. I mean, 
what can I say? This was good stuff. Oh, and I do want to shout out the El Paso audience really quickly because at the top of this match, when they were chanting culero to uh, MJF, oh my God, I was dying. I loved it. I loved everything that we were getting from this. I um, mean, shout out to that El Paso audience for a number of reasons. Yeah, uh, the, the funniest one to me was the fact that, uh, and Bruce Pritchard had told this story on a previous podcast, so I was kind of aware that it was going to happen, but I had my doubts. But if you know, if you for people who track ticket sales, you probably saw that this show uh, had a lot of seats still available very late in the game. Like as late as Tuesday, people were looking at it like, ah, oh, they've only sold like thirty four hundred tickets. What's going to happen here? Uh, and Bruce Pritchard told a story one time on his podcast about how Vince was concerned about an El Paso show one time about. You know, what are we going to do? We've got live TV and we haven't sold any tickets. And then they just had this massive, massive walk-up crowd. And uh, so I was thinking about that this whole time. Like, are they going to have the same thing happen? And they did. They had, uh, I think I read somewhere around like seven or 800 people walk up. And they ended up pushing that show over into uh, the 4200, which that at capacity at a concert that venue holds about like 5,000. So that's like really good. Um, and I saw people tweeting about it saying, Hey, that's Latinos. We wait to the last minute, but we show up. And, <laughs> I, <laughs> and I thought that was actually like, I mean, like you saw it. And when I, I saw the venue, I was like, wait, 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 that did not look like the ticket map looked yesterday. Like that looked full. It was and full. I saw it people post me. I saw people posting pictures and they're like, no, it's full in here. And then they're like, yeah, they had one of the biggest walk-up crowds they've had. And did, wait, but did, good they, on it. did they say specifically or was it just how oh, they just all decided to walk up last minute? But there's not like anything that actually catapulted the reason for that. Did they, was there like something announced last minute that I don't remember? No, it's no. literally just, I guess okay. in El Paso, people know you buy tickets last minute and that's what you do. Okay. <laughs> well, there you go. But no, I thought El Paso did an amazing job with the freaking. Uh, there was some. There was a sign that was uh, all elote wrestling. <laughs> it killed me. Um, there was a lot that was going on on the show, and uh, you know, obviously Juan Ortega brings up the uh, huevos pequeños and all of that. That was pretty funny. Um, all right, so it's time for our worst of the week, Will, and. Look, I'll save you one from your list if you want me to. I don't to know go because first. there's one. Okay, here's the thing. There's one that I primarily like. I had to trash it when it happened. Completely trash it, and I kind of. I'm still so upset. I had to sit through it. I don't mind trashing it again. We might be talking about the same thing. Um, I don't know, but let let, let me let me. Sit. Yes or no. Impractical Joker is the best. Yes, 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 that's mine. Can we agree? Because I wanted to talk shit about this all over again. <laughs> that's how badly I hated that's this. That's fine. Thing. I hated this too. It was, yes, this absolutely. Was the worst. <laughs> this was the worst thing. Okay. That's it. That was my worst of the week. Um, I thought that, you know, Rampage is already such a show that is compact. I'm just clicking buttons now. Okay, go yeah. ahead. <laughs> the, the, uh, Rampage is so compact. There's so little room to do much on this show that you kind of have to make sure everything on Rampage matters. You can't really have a whole lot of wasted time. So nothing annoys me more than when Rampage has a segment that is a complete waste of my time. And 
this was a complete waste of my time. See, I thought you were going to pick the ass boys, by the way. Um, but the because the <laughs> chat was wants, worse. The, the well, chat this was wants, worse in a different way, though. This was worse in a different way. We'll talk about the ass boys too. Just okay, to yeah, because the, the, that's clearly what some people wanted here. But if you watched Rampage, this was just a complete waste of my time. Like, especially on a show that skipped Lee Moriarty's entrance, skipped both Marina Shafir and Ruby Soho's entrance. And Ruby Soho has the most fun entrance in the company. And then uh, skipped Moxley's entrance, skipped all of that stuff. But we literally had to sit through this. It wasn't funny. wasn't clever. It wasn't well put together. I am to believe, by the way, like, I get it, wrestling, suspension of disbelief. But, like, AEW is fairly clear about their taping schedule. But I am to believe that Jericho had his bat stolen on Monday, or Wednesday. Then they had a thing on Impractical Jokers on Thursday, a show that is way in the can. And then on Friday followed up on all of that was just complete nonsense. Um, I don't want maybe if I followed in practical jokers, I would have been a little more into this. Do you Denise? Thank you, Will. Thank you for cueing me in because here I go. All right, go, go, the go. Number go, go. one thing that I said about this is I am not the demo for this. Okay. I'm not the demo. And this is complete and utter it was boring. It was stupid. It was no, there was no creativity in this whatsoever. Um, the point here, you know, they're obviously doing cross promotion, wanting to promote the show. I get it. I understand what the purpose is. And normally I wouldn't mind things like this if they got creative with it. But after this, I'm never going to tune in to watch Impractical <laughs> Jokers. I'm so mad that I had to sit through this crap that I'm never going to tune into the show. I'm sorry, but this was God awful. First of all, so they have Jericho's bat. Do I really care? No, but okay, I'm going to give it a chance here, whatever. But then they try to get small bat being chanted by the crowd. I'm supposed to laugh at small bat? Will, in what world is small bat funny? Nobody I, I, cared. It's not funny. And I get they were trying to, you know, insinuate what they were trying to insinuate about Jericho and all of that. I get it. I get what they were trying to do, but it was so stupid. And then Jericho's all, well, I may have a small bat, but I got big balls. And I'm thinking, oh my God. And the first thing we went to with this is um, the first thing that popped into my head was everything we've been having to go through with the Miz and his small balls and the this chat and that. just literally said this yeah. is a Miz segment. It was a Miz segment. And then it, it, it like, okay. So then afterwards, you know, Jericho's like, okay, you know, I'm going to have my friends get the bat from you. So Jericho Appreciation Society comes out. And then we see the worst power bomb that I've ever seen in my life. I think a toddler could take a better power bomb. It was so bad. And then everybody was like holding him. The guy, I don't even know their names. They couldn't even, it was just so bad. It was so cringe. I hated this. Um, I think they should have found, I mean, I'm assuming the show for the people that watch it are fans, right? Um, 
I'm sure they could have come up with something that could have been funny. Maybe they could have done something with Danhausen. That could have been easy comedy, something with Hook. Maybe something more with your comedic characters, but and make it just a quick little bit or something. But this was not funny. This was a waste of time. And I'm never going to watch the show because of this. Like, I will forever be the person that doesn't tune into the show just because of this segment. I'm, I'm, and that's how mad I am about it. Yeah, I think I'm about the same way. They're Impractical Jokers is on tour right now, and they're coming through Denver. And I no, was like, you know what? I was like, I wouldn't even take free tickets to this now because nope, nope, no way. I'm so sorry. I don't know these guys. I'm sure they're nice guys and all, but like this, I never want to watch Impractical Jokers in my entire life. Um, Amir, if uh. Oh man, so so translate for me. Yeah, so let me tell you, Will. One of the things that I had to do a lot for this uh, past AEW Dynamite episode was I had to do a lot of translations. Okay, and uh, one of the things that was asked was to translate "scissor me, uh, daddy ass." Now, Will. Oh, I I can already see it. (laughs) But there are some words that I'm not comfortable saying in Spanish, okay? Because they just sound very, very wrong, very, very inappropriate. And so somebody asked me, how would you translate uh, a scissor me daddy ass in Spanish? This is the translation of it. It's I, I see it now. Yep. Okay. I hate it. I hate saying it though. It's tijerame papiculo. It sounds so bad. Like I don't know. Okay, well, I don't know how to tell you this, but there are some things that just sound really bad in Spanish, and this is one of them. Tijerame papiculo. Not not something I'm proud of that has come out of my mouth. Hey, do you want? To oh give no, it a go? I want no. I want papiculo over. Like that's great. That's so. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> I hate it. Like, I, there are some things that just sound worse in Spanish than they do in English. And trust me, like, if you're like a bilingual speaker, you'll you'll if you speak Spanish and English, you'll understand what I mean by this. Um, Will, give it a go. Say tijera me papiculo. Tijera me papiculo. You got the papiculo on point. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to work on on. You said tijera me. Tijera me. That's how I would say it. I don't know. I'm probably not saying it great either, but whatever. The point is that it makes me very uncomfortable, but it's also really hilarious. Uh, I mean, look, but to be fair, I, I, scissor me daddy ass also sounds awful without context. True. Uh, Maybe I'm just used to saying it in English now. Yeah. I'm not used to saying it in Spanish. Because the thing is, if you don't know that it's just the acclaimed gesture making the scissors, I mean, scissor me daddy ass is pretty weird, too. Like, if I were to say tijera me papiculo in front of my grandparents, they would probably hit me or something. (laughs) Be like, don't be, they'd probably put soap in my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) That's how bad it sounds. I kind of want you to like TikTok that, but. Oh, um... yeah, no way. (laughs) No, thanks. Orion Ben 666 sends in a super chat saying, I thought you were going to hit Tony Soraya's beatdown on uh, Leva Bates. I reminded I reminded of the crusting line. We took 50 takes and this was the best one. Bad I made that movie. joke on Day After Dynamite this week, or I have bit 666. That was my exact joke I referencing think he's you. that Mr. Bird's line. It was great. Um, yeah, but of course, oh. yeah, look, Simpsons references are lost on Denise Salcedo. Um, but hey, this... I went on the Simpsons ride yesterday. Oh, it was opened because when I tried to go last year, it was closed. I only and... waited like 20 minutes and I went in. Oh, 
yeah and then on top of that they're, they're losing that ride of course because um they are yeah because it didn't look like it yesterday things full up and running i mean, well, the whole the, little simpsons world they're losing the rights to the simpsons because disney bought the simpsons what three years ago and so they're so, not gonna have the ride anymore at universal studios uh no it's it's one uh, of the, the best rides the light they're gonna lose the license i think it's up in the next couple of years and then disney is gonna incorporate the simpsons into disney world and disneyland since they own it now it's their property they can do what they want with the simpsons wow that's very mean <laughs> that's just sad because uh, but, they have the whole thing going there but i will say that as far as the topic of tony and soraya's beat down it was real bad uh and uh, it is a shame that that I, I hope this was a one taker because if that was the best take they got, I. Uh, um, so I you like think the... it was that bad because I just didn't care enough. Maybe well, that's the... bad within itself. There's still stuff about the angle I like, right? Like the. Oh yeah, of course. Um, th there's the. I thought the brawl after Ruby Soho versus Marina Shafir was actually very mm -hmm. good. I thought it was very well shot, and that was the most I've like been getting into this angle. Um, and I like that they're moving forward with the three-way. Like, clearly, Tony had a plan with that three-way because, obviously, with Britt not being able to do it a couple weeks ago, and they had to settle on the singles match, but now we're doing the match again. Clearly, there's an idea there that has to be executed for the story to move forward. Um, yeah, I'm not sure I like all of this. And uh, as far as the backstage stuff, as far as the spray painting is concerned, not really for me. And I hope... <laughs> Yeah, not not great. Yeah, yeah. I you could do something. Better I do like when Soraya like... says "baby girl," though. Baby girl, yes. <laughs> I love the baby girl part. I want Soraya to call me baby girl. <laughs> I like the way she says it, baby girl. Well, uh, well hopefully you can get that out of her. In her yeah, post scrum or something along those lines. I'm gonna be like, you're gonna be like, next question, me, Soraya. Can you just say baby girl? <laughs> <laughs> That's all I want. I have no questions. All right. Um, moving on from here. Uh, we actually got another super chat. Thank you so much to Sheldon Jackson, who says, man, I feel bad for the El Paso crowd this week. They were hot all night and TK rewarded them with some of the worst booking we've seen this year with the ass boys becoming champs and, and the impractical Joker. So we did say we were going to talk about this because this was not good. Okay. And I did kind of feel like, oh my God, like El Paso crowd was phenomenal. I feel like they got punished like at the end i'm not saying it was intentional by any means that they were like punished that sounds terrible but it felt that way with the ending it was like the entire energy just got sucked the hell out of the room and everybody was just like that's it like that's really how we're closing out this show are you kidding me it was bad and i'm sorry but i have no interest and i get it i get what they're doing i get why they did it i get it okay i'm not stupid i get it but I have no interest in seeing the guns as AEW Tag Team Champions. I'm sorry. Bless their hearts. I just don't care. I, okay. So I'll, I'll give a little bit of uh, a leeway on the ending in that, um, you know, obviously a lot of things ran short because I don't think anybody was anticipating Bunny getting injured and Bunny getting injured ended up shortening the uh, the women's match on the show, which then kind of like took three minutes off of literally everything else. I think they could have found ways to put three minutes back on the show. I don't know where they were going to find it, but clearly the way it ended with the ass boys winning the titles and then 
the acclaim just kind of like standing there and looking confused and it going off the air playing the acclaims music is like well we're stuck in silence what the hell do we do and uh i think had it been a little more of a shock abrupt ending i think it would have gone off a little bit better but the way that they're just all kind of standing there that sucked um that said yeah you mentioned you know why uh they did it and that's why i don't think i can call this like a bad booking decision because like the booking's been pointing to this for months um that i all along it's been pointing to the story of uh ftr was on this losing streak they lost to swerve in our glory they lost to the acclaimed and then the most embarrassing they lost to the briscoes and then the most embarrassing loss of all was he lost to the ass boys and they've now taken time off uh to regroup heal themselves in the meantime and the ass boys take responsibility for putting them out and meanwhile the ass boys had this unfinished story with uh with billy gunn and the acclaimed because they literally stole their dad and uh the payoff to that i think was always going to be pretty much from the moment the acclaimed won the titles i was saying i think the ass boys are going to be the ones to beat them and i think this is to kind of give a little bit of a full circle moment to obviously bringing back ftr my guess is not this coming wednesday but the wednesday after and then they win the titles at revolution the ass boys get egg on their face for being the shortest reigning AEW tag team champions. And they get to look like dorks for that. Cause they couldn't hold on to them. I think the reaction you're having to it, where they're saying this is the worst booking ever. Um, I think that's a very intentional thing. And I think that you can see that in Excalibur on commentary, who is literally screaming out. We, we have one of the greatest tag divisions on earth. The a division that literally has teams like, the Lucha Bros, it's got the Young Bucks, it has FTR, it has all-time great tag teams. And you mean to tell me that the tag team champions right now are the guns? Are you kidding me? Like, the way Excalibur was screaming that out, I think, showed me that this was supposed to be your reaction. That you're supposed to feel like in a division that is as acclaimed as it is, oh my god, the ass boys are champs. But I think FTR is going to make fairly short work of them. I think that's the right move because I think there's a lot of scenarios where babyface versus babyface works. I do not think putting them against the acclaimed and putting them over the acclaimed is the right move. I think in most babyface versus babyface scenarios, you need to hold on to what the fans have. And this, I think that would harm either team to have FTR beat the acclaim for the belts okay so i do want to ask you though how'd you feel about them putting this as the main event made it predictable um i think had it ended up anywhere else in the show i wouldn't have seen that coming but as soon as they said it's the main event i went oh well there it is they're pulling the trigger the ass boys are about to become champs <laughs> okay sorry i was just looking for something here and um okay so Never mind. I was going to say something, but I'm moving on from this. I don't want to touch this subject. All right. Um, let me move on from here. All right, everyone. Um, let's press on. Um, thank you so much to Benoit Richer, who sends in a super chat. It's much appreciated. Thank you so much. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know, uh, you know, basically, a super chat to just keep us funded, keep us going, and all of this and that. So we really do appreciate appreciate it we are going to go ahead and get into our best picks of the of the week but before i do i just want to give you guys some quick updates if you are a member here of my youtube channel uh friendly tomorrow that 
friendly reminder that tomorrow is the members only live stream and you're actually going to be provided a special link to actually be able to join the stream itself and then also um this wednesday february 15th i'm going to be joined by simon miller to do elimination chamber predictions um i'll remind you guys again on social media but that's going to be happening as well and then because i mentioned that i'm very excited to watch roman reigns and Sami Zayn, i am going to be returning once again to do an elimination chamber watch along uh, I'll, be, I'll be going live about 10 minutes before the actual show begins, and that'll be here on my YouTube channel as well. I also want to thank you guys so much for helping this channel surpass 90,000 subscribers. I am now less than 10,000 subscribers away from 100K. I'm so excited, so thank you guys so much. I got plenty of content. Of course, After the Week is live every single Sunday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, unless we have a special start time. But uh, let's go ahead and get into the Super Chat from Mike T90. DK who says, hey, Denise, WWE wants war with AEW, so they ruined their UK debut by putting a pay-per-view there in July. Uh, TK should book... Uh, T TK should book Madison Square Garden for Forbidden Door, stick it to Vince where it hurts. I, for one, love the ass boys. <laughs> Okay, so I don't I you know, I feel bad for them. like I'm, they're kids I don't want to be like trashing them or anything like that But they're just again you pretty much said it there Well, where you have all of these other great teams and All of these other people that you would love to see as tag team champions We're right now living in a world where we got the ass boys as champs But um in terms of like WWE and AEW and wars between venues um thoughts on that will I mean, Tony Khan literally said it, so that's why um, this is a thing today. Uh, but as far as booking MSG, I always think that's a mistake. I think that that's a venue too synonymous with WWE. And I think the fact that uh, AEW managed to get an established presence in New York and Arthur Ashe Stadium, I think is their own big deal. They should stick with Arthur Ashe Stadium. It holds more people than Madison Square Garden. Um, and so... No, I don't think they should ever touch MSG. I think that that to me is a mistake. I think that Arthur Ashe is their New York venue. It's a cool venue. There's nothing that looks like it. There's nothing like it. Stick with it. Yeah, I agree. I think it's kind of better to have your own special place. But uh, thank you so much to Mike T90K for sending in this generous super chat. It's much appreciated. Um, we got another one here from Mike T90K who says your watch along uh, graphic is amazing. Thank you so much. I know. Much. I'm but like jealous of I that. Don't do I that. Was... Shout out to Hiban, uh, Hiban Huerta who does that for me. He's an incredibly talented graphic designer. In fact, he does pretty much like all the flyers for every like almost like so many wrestling promotions like so many like all of those cool graphics that those cool flyers that you see for a lot of wrestling promotions those are done by Hebon. um orion ben 666 who says denise and simon the most innocent predictions ever i met simon at mission pro wrestling and he is literally the sweetest person ever so uh we definitely had to put this show together i got to call his match that he had so that was really fun um but let's go ahead and get into um our best of the week uh so here oh we actually got one more Super chat. This is from Caden Cease who says, I blame you, Will. For yes. what? What'd you do, Will? I because if you saw the opening of Day After Dynamite this week where I played an Oh, old you clip, sent me the link, but I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, so tell it me was what happens. Li literally me two months ago predicting exactly how this was gonna lay lay out. I said that the ass boys were gonna beat the acclaimed after they were done with Jarrett and Jay Lethal. <laughs> and uh thanks that, will uh, I, I, I i actually laid out a lot i said that f they were going to beat ftr first and then they were going to move on to the acclaimed beat them for the belts and then my prediction was ftr was going to return and beat the ass boys for the belts and that's how ftr becomes tag champs 
screw it. We're just going to cancel you and bully you on Twitter and stuff. And you're going to have to delete your account. <laughs> just kidding. Will. <laughs> will never delete my account. No, ne neither would I like, okay. I have a question. If you were getting canceled online, would you delete your account? Let's say it was for something stupid. Like, I don't know. You like said you didn't like a match or something and everybody I'm... was trying to cancel you for it. No, like that's the thing. What do you, you know? Stuff say like that me? does happen, right? Uh, yeah, of course it happens. Um, I've, I mean, the most I do is when I see a take of mine getting dunked on, I just mute the tweet and move on with my life. I'm like, I will never see no your offense. quote tweets. I Maybe will never see your replies. Well, have you? Okay, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe this is me, but me, if I see a dumb ass take or a dumb ass tweet, you know what I do? I keep scrolling. I keep scrolling. I will never comment and be like, your take is so stupid. You don't know shit. I'm not that person. I don't well, care so if I that's will... your opinion. I'm just going to shut the fuck up because it's none of my business what your opinion is. I will say this, Denise. I have seen that happen to your tweets before, though. So oh, my tweets, it happens all the time. Yeah, People so like, my question is... Anything. <laughs> yeah, so my question is, do you do the same thing? Do you just, like, mute the tweet and move on with your life? No, I don't mute the tweet. Oh, no. Wow. See, I, let I, it, I, I let it be, bro. That is Twitter engagement, Twitter, Twitter interaction. Oh, yeah, I don't no, I, care. Yeah, no, that's the thing is, I don't care that it's happening. It, like, keep going. I will mute it myself, so I don't have to see him anymore. Are you kidding me? My Twitter's a cesspool. <laughs> but because <laughs> it's like a mess in there. Because like I, I keep forgetting that Roman Reigns stands are very interesting to me because I can't like, even tell you what their opinions on because I don't read them. So my thing is. They're very fascinating to me because I am very much a Roman Reigns fan. I say it all the time. I think Roman Reigns is the best. I think he's doing the best work of his career. I think he will go down as a top star in WWE history. Bar none. I saw people in public wearing Bloodline gear two days ago, and it looked fashionable. It looked good. I was like, damn. All right. I see you guys. Um, but anyway... Roman Reigns stands are still kind of stuck on the idea that Roman was always this good and that it was oh, just I the see. fans that were wrong. And so I notice whenever I tweet anything that is along the take of Roman wasn't good before but got good, the Roman stands will find that and it will be quote tweeted to hell. And uh, I, I notice it's all the Roman abbeys. It's, it's, it never stops. And so with that... I always have to kind of take a step back and remember, um, don't tweet about Roman Reigns if I don't want that. And if I, because sometimes I will, I'll just bring up some old shit and be like, you know what? Like, it really sucked that that Roman Reigns versus Samoa Joe match closed out a pay-per-view and was disastrous. It fucking sucked and had no business closing out a pay-per-view. And I can't believe that was Roman Reigns and Samoa Joe. And then they'll go, oh, wait, that's because you're a dumb fan and the dumb fans were wrong. It's like, no, those matches fucking sucked. Admit that. Sorry. All right. We got to move on to our no, number one. No, it's funny because <laughs> I feel like I feel we can do a whole podcast on just like all oh, of yeah. this one day, but I don't care. Look, at the end of the day, it's my opinion. Let my opinion be my opinion. I feel like as long as you're not fucking out there tweeting hate speech, I don't give a hell what people tweet. Um, D. Laura sends a super chat saying say, uh say what you were gonna say denise oh <laughs> miller on dad <laughs> trust me you don't want to hear what i was gonna say really i don't uh Dular, uh but yeah you should get simon on uh day after dynamite by the way absolutely day after dynamite as jeremy lambert calls it the forbidden door of uh i i guess a, a 
the wrestling world because I, I I'll book anybody who's willing to do the show. That's pretty much it. Uh, and I, I have no limits on things. I have definitely there. There are some people in the pipeline that I uh, probably would even ruffle some feathers. But at the end of the day, look, I Just I try get them not clicks. Will get that's them it. clicks. <laughs> it's not even about the clicks. I like having good conversation with people. That's that's me more than anything. But All anyway. Right. Alrighty, uh, let's go ahead and uh, press on from here and get into our best Number of one. the week. Uh, here we go, Smash Will. It. Best of the week. Best of the week. I have a feeling it's a very different answer from Denise's best of the week. Because my best of the week is actually... If your best a- of the week is not my best of the week, your best of the week is wrong. <laughs> that goes in line uh, with the heart. I did that on purpose to yeah, tie please. into what we just talked about with the Twitter stuff. Yeah, that's fine because my best, of, Will, my best of the week happens to involve somebody that's been at my best of the week multiple times, and that would be the elite, the the elite, because uh, the elite versus top flight NAR Fox. Look, any opportunity I get, look, it's Black History Month, so black folks are going to be at the top of my list any chance they get this month. Um, but on top of that, this match killed it. Uh, I was already looking forward to this, just knowing that this match was going to take place in El Paso, and I thought, you know these guys are going to lucha the hell out of this shit, and boy, oh boy, did they do that. I thought that the elite, uh, they feel kind of angleless, and that's a little bit of a problem. But match-wise, I have no complaints about what the Elite are bringing to the table. Top Flight has been on a roll in 2023, and we're literally only six weeks into this year, and these guys have just been killing it. Uh, And there's so many interesting combinations here. I think AR Fox also turned out to be a really valuable signing to AEW for a really good number of reasons. Uh, But the combination of him with top flight has also just been a complete killer combination seeing these three tie it up we've seen various combinations of this we've seen the young bucks versus top flight we actually saw that very recently we've seen kenny omega in the ring um it was in a multi-man tag match but we've seen him in the ring with ar fox before but somehow some way kenny omega managed to completely avoid darius martin and so I knew that, and I was excited to see those two tie it up because that was like the only combination that had never happened in either of their careers. And these two get in the ring, and they just flowed. But then the there were multiple sequences in which Top Flight and AR Fox looked like they had it won, and it represented the chaos of what a trio's division is supposed to be because... Uh, the beauty of this division is supposed to center around the fact that there's so few opportunities to actually score a true pinfall because you've got two opportunities for a partner to break up the pin. That's the trios division. So it's supposed to be chaotic. It's supposed to be hectic. It's supposed to be um, off the charts. It's supposed to captivate the crowd. And that's exactly what this match did. And on top of that, again, the, the nerves were just shooting through me all throughout. There was a moment where A.R. Fox in this match uh, looked like he was about to defeat Kenny Omega. When Kenny goes for the one-winged angel and A.R. Fox rolls him up, I thought in that moment, I was like, oh, oh my God. What <laughs> there are you about to say? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was a little bit of a moment of that. And the fact that 
there wasn't a decisive victory. The fact that they eked out the victory here was exactly the right ending to the chaotic nature of this match. I love this. This was my favorite thing this week. Um, I love the trios division, and uh, I hope to get even more of this going forward. I want to know what they have planned for the elite at Revolution because, God, we got three dynamites left. What are you doing? Like, give me something. Start putting more matches on this card. Uh, this was great. This is my number one. Easy. All right. Well, well, if this was a tweet, I would quote retweet you and be like, nah, your opinion is dumb, Will. Um, this was match of the night. No, but seriously, uh, in regards to this match, though, it was really good. I, I completely agree with you. That moment when AR Fox, uh, it looked like he was going to get like a win there. And you knew like... It's like the bet, like it's almost like when you have moments like this, it's almost like you have like split brain where like one side of you, the realistic side, it's like not nah, ain't gonna happen. But the other side of you, like the fan side, the one that's like, oh, well, anything can happen, right? Uh, it did have that momentary reaction where you're like, oh shit, is this over? But I do agree with you. I thought all of the sequences were great. Um, so much of the back and forth was really phenomenal. And like I've said before, they're doing a great job with Top Flight and all of that. I want to see more AR Fox in singles matches because he is incredibly enjoyable to watch. Um, personally, I'm a bigger fan of AR Fox than Top Flight, honestly. And I feel like that's saying a lot because I really like AR Fox. Like, I'm a fan. Call me a fan. I'm a fan. Um, but with that being said, in terms of the matches that we saw for this specific Dynamite, I thought this was the third best one. Like, wow. I wouldn't, like, I still thought the MJF to catch the match was better than this. But the number one match and the number one of the week will because this was the best match of the night and that was uh Roosh and Brian Danielson they had a freaking phenomenal match here with um please the El Paso crowd we've talked about them earlier but throughout this match there was so much energy like when we had moments where they were exchanging chops where uh brian was doing his c kicks we were getting c we were getting no um we were getting so much back and forth even the way this whole thing started with uh with roosh uh basically throwing out uh uh, Brian Danielson to the uh, barricade on the outside multiple times. Um, there was so much where like they finally get back into the ring and they have this very aggressive back and forth where like Roosh is literally like headbutting him at one point. They do, they exchange chops on the ring apron back into the ring. Brian Danielson is bleeding so freaking much. Um, he's like crimson face at that point. Like he's got like full on, uh, I mean, he's the color of my shirt at this point. Um, this was so good. Uh, the drop kick from Danielson off the top rope, all of that, the dive from Brian Danielson to Rouge. Um, there was just so much that they did here that I really loved. And um, there was a good line, and this was some this was how the match was promoted, but I really like that Taz brought this up as well. Was that there was a moment where you were getting both of these guys like all up in each other's face, and he was like, What you're seeing here is a bull versus a dragon. And I'm like, Oh yeah, bull versus a dragon. That's good shit, right? So this was what they were doing there. Um, I also loved it that we were getting Cicep Weve chance, but it was for Brian Danielson and not for Roosh. That's pretty funny if you think about it. It's very yeah. hilarious. Um, so finally, you know, we do see Danielson get the win. But after this match, I felt like I had been on a roller coaster of a ride because this is like, this is the type of stuff that I like. Uh, aggressive 
hard hitting shit and this is what that was um this was the match that i had been waiting to see roosh have in aew um this was it and he did phenomenal work with brian danielson brian danielson does phenomenal work with everybody but this was definitely a match that i thought that when the el paso crowd goes home and thinks about the night this is really going to be one of those moments that really stood out i think in terms of a lot of what happened and just watching this i ended up liking this match more believe it or not than darby allen versus samoa jonah no holds barred match and you know will you know how much i love that match and i loved this one more um i was a fan this was my best of the week brian danielson is on a steady course for another wrestler of the year accolade um, look, I tweeted as soon as this match was over. Brian Danielson is the greatest of all time. Um, on a list of, if we had four things, this would have been on it. Um, I felt bad even not including this, uh, but I felt like I needed to acknowledge uh, Top Flight and AR Fox. I didn't include your been... number one and you didn't include my number one. <laughs> right. Oh, we're beefing now, Will. <laughs> no, I like what Snap Grapple uh, Pop said. He said, Will highlighting black wrestlers and Denise highlighting Hispanic wrestlers is why okay. shows like this are but so great. Oh, I know you, that's not why you did. Yeah, but that's it's just... not why I did it, and I know that's not why you did it. If it would have sucked, to be honest, you would have been like, oh, that match sucked. Oh, absolutely. If, if I Roosh, mean, If Roosh versus Brian Danielson would have sucked, it would not have been on this list for the sake of Roosh being a, you know, a, a Hispanic wrestler, whatever. Literally, like, the only one. Only way that would have happened is if, like, Danielson's leg fell off halfway getting down the ramp. But uh, And even then, I think he would have figured out a way to make <laughs> the match work. He would have figured work. out, yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but I think there were so many brilliant things done in this match because I had concerns about this match going into it because I was thinking about um, Bandito versus Brian Danielson just from a few weeks ago in Fresno, California. Fresno, of course, has a 50% Latino population. And so thinking about that, I, I and Fresno was all over Bandito. Meanwhile, we have El Paso, which is 90%, I believe. I think it's like 80. But either way, still, huge population. So I was thinking, oh, crap. Like, is Brian going to have anybody on his side in this match? And one of the things they brilliantly did was started the match out in a way to get the fans into Brian being there. And they did the whole Brian being locked in the dressing room thing and MJF uh, trying to get him counted out. So, therefore, the fans were going to be screwed out of the match. And Rouge was happy to do that and so they willed the fans into getting behind brian which was a brilliant way to get this match off the ground and silencing any population there that might have not been there for brian danielson and instead you just had a whole lot of c chance i love c for brian danielson i that's one of my favorite things um and yeah i think the match was violent it was brutal it was uh it had a great story. It was compelling. And then on top of that, for Roosh to look the way he did, you're right. This was the performance he's needed to have. And, like, he's had some great performances in AEW. But I think this one showed that he could hang with the the top guys in the company. And, no, this really got me on board to want to see the Iron Man match or Revolution even more than I've wanted to see it. Yeah, two good nights. I mean, a, a great night for sure. Um, we got a super chat here from Gotham Guy who says, got ticks for me and my friends for Revolution, Section 101 right near the entrance. So excited. Are you two going? I would love to meet you guys. Yes, we will be there. Um, I usually sit in the media section. Will likes to sit front row, you know, I, all up I in am, the front. I am front row. <laughs> How are we up. different in everything, Will? How are we so different? Like, I like to sit in the media section and chill. And you're like, I need to be in the front row, being fabulous. It, it, 
this. No, it all depends. Like, uh, if I have the opportunity to get a front row seat to any show, I'm going to take my front row seat. Right. Um, and, like, I brought you front row to the New Japan at one time. But, like, otherwise, it's uh, that's just, like, I don't know. I like it. It's fun. I mean, there was, like, four rows at the New Japan show that we went to. They, <laughs> there was four rows, and then it was standing room only. I wasn't going to stand, bro. <laughs> Yeah, whatever. Um, but either way, I, if I can, I uh, I will make sure I do. But yeah, I will be there for sure. Same, same. All right. Uh, thank you so much to Gotham Guy, and I hope you have a great time at Revolution. Uh, I want to thank, we got a brand new uh, YouTube member. Thank you so much to uh, the Bep Jr. The Bep Jr., thank you so much for joining the YouTube channel. I really hope that you're going to uh, like the contents that I put up here. Uh, I actually do have a brand new video that will edit it together, and I got to see it this morning, and that's going to be going up in the next couple of days. It's kind of completely outdated, but it's super Completely hilarious. outdated. I actually <laughs> yeah. almost... I'm going to probably put that into the title, the completely outdated and then the rest of the video name. You'll understand why it's outdated when you guys see it. Um, but what? it's kind of great. It's kind of great. And I, I won't give anybody any spoilers just yet. I almost want to post just like a little clip from it just to give yeah, people an should. idea. Okay, I, cool. I wanted to ask you about hey, that. Look, as long as you link over. my YouTube channel, Will, I don't care. <laughs> All right. Uh, but seriously, thank you so much to the BAP Jr. for joining the YouTube channel. It really means a whole lot to me. Um, All right, guys, let's uh, wrap this show up. I really want to thank you guys so much for being here each and every single time. Uh, seriously, without you guys, this show would not be possible. So thank you guys so much continuously for your support. Uh, Will, please let the people know where they can find you i'm william rbr and you could find me on various podcasts like this because i'll be here next sunday probably talking about some elimination chamber because some stuff probably hit this list all righty we will be back oh, but we got sasha at oh or mercedes at yeah. oh man this is, this is gonna there's be a, a tough lot. week next week there's, there's, there's a, a lot, lot going on on the 18th yeah oh my god this is gonna be a toughie but we're we're gonna get it done i think we will Bye,